1: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I'm a bodybuilder.
2: Hey folks, Rob Fortress-Fortney. I'm a former competitive bodybuilder, former editor at MuscleMag, and a powerlifter strength enthusiast.
3: And this is Phil Stevens, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, strength coach, owner of Strength Guild, and
0: liveforhope.org. Right on. Hope. Oh, yeah.
1: Welcome to the Christmas episode, or holiday episode, where... Uh, <laughs> I don't Kwanzaa like episode that's right I don't think I don't think it should offend anybody if we say Christmas no. I'm not offended when somebody says Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever so you know yeah, I'm
2: get, I'm starting to get hacked off at this whole happy holiday season
1: Oh dude universities are like that a lot right we're so politically correct um the university at which I'm teaching now is going to be a little bit more christmas oriented since it's um, partly Methodist supported actually. But anyway, the point being is, yeah, the political correctness can go too far. So, anywho, I'd, I've got some of the traditional holiday stuff going on. I'm munching Chex Mix, so I'm going to apologize in advance if I'm munching on the microphone. Holiday <laughs> <Chex> <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> I got a glass of wine here. I've never recorded while I was drinking. <laughs> nice. Wine. So, I don't want to end up like, uh, was it Marty that we had on? And he's like, oh, I'm on my third glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. Just talking over everybody. Anyway. So, what we've got here is um a holiday episode, and before we get to what we're going to do, which is basically just a, a little bit of um product reviews, gift suggestions, things like that as far as the iron lifestyle uh, fitness nutrition type things, um, I just have one little tidbit of news, and as I was joking with the guys before we hit record, I don't want to overdo it this time because I did last time, but strength and muscle sport news. This came across my desk, and it was relevant to something we've been talking about lately. So here it is, um, vitamin D. This is a, an Iranian study, and I don't see many studies come out of Iran, to be honest. But it's a 12-week double-blind, randomized clinical trial of vitamin D3 and body fat reduction. Uh, Salip, Salipor and colleagues uh, from the Nutrition Journal. But uh, this just says vitamin D concentrations are linked to body comp indices, particularly body fat mass. In a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled, parallel group trial, so that's a very tight design, by the way, 77 participants in their 30s were randomly allocated into two groups, either 25 micrograms of vitamin D or a placebo for 12 weeks. And so you don't have to look it up, 25 micrograms times 40, it is the correction factor. It gives you 1,000 IUs. Because usually, at least here in the States, you see vitamin D3 sold in international units. So this is 1,000 IUs. Um, not a very big dose. I'd say medium, maybe. Um, usually I suggest 2 or 3,000 a day. Um, in any case, it says supplementation with vitamin D3 causes statistically significant decrease in body fat mass in the vitamin D group compared to the placebo group. The vitamin D group losing 2.7 kilograms. Of fat mass and the placebo group only half a kilogram, and it was uh, very probable. uh, The p value is 0.001. It says, however, and again, this is where I did a little digging on the listener's behalf. It says, however, body weight and waist circumference did not change. So you might ask yourself, how does how do you lose five kilo or 2.7 kilos, which is over five pounds, um, and not have any drop in your gut size? And it's partly because they used bioimpedance analysis as their body comp tool, and a lot of listeners will know that's not super accurate. Um, but still, I would think that uh, a three, almost a three kilogram loss would register uh, validly. That's that's pretty big. So, um, but this is the first time I've seen vitamin D actually reducing body fatness. We've we've talked about it for many other things, boosting strength. Uh, boosting testosterone at 3,300 units a day. But here at 1,000 units a day, they give it to overweight people and, um, you know, drop their body fat. So another reason, I mean, do we even need any more to suggest vitamin D? So as you might guess, that's going to be one of the things on my stocking stuffer list, vitamin D. It's relatively cheap. You can buy it at Costco or Sam's Club fairly cheaply, two or 3,000, even 5,000 units a day. Um, have your doctor check if you're going to. You know, do that, and um, boom! You know, there's the science. All right, do you guys have any news? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the holidays for relaxing here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get a I monolith it. on Monday. Oh, monolith. Well, yeah, tell monolith us
3: about that. Are you liking it or? Well, I get it Monday. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. So, no, we got our new bench, and my monolith leaves Dallas and arrives here Monday. Evening.
1: Now, what did you say about it? Did I hear you mention that it was specially painted or something? Or yeah,
3: powder powder so What, they what is that? Juice. I don't even. They know. They pretty it. much put paint on it and then cook it in an oven. It's like so. It's not. It's you can't scratch it, chip it, stuff like that. So
1: okay. So yeah. like uh, almost like a, a appliance paint kind of deal or something. Yeah. Like real yeah, hard so. and lacquered kind yep. of deal.
3: Yeah, it's a nice, beautiful shade of
2: yellow. So, yeah. Do you guys find that your uh, training intensity um, and uh, focus increases or decreases around, uh, I hate to say the holidays, but the holidays encompassing Christmas, New
1: Year's, all that kind of thing?
3: I don't think it changes much for me. It's
1: about the same. Yeah, since Phil's like s- to... self-employed, I can see he, he's sort of yeah. uh, captain of his own ship there.
3: Yeah, I, I'm scheduled to train on Christmas and New Year's Day, so I'm going to be training so it's one of my workout days. Both of them land on a Tuesday, and Tuesday's the a day that I come in and deadlift. So I'm going to deadlift on Christmas Day.
1: It's a good question, Rob, because it really depends on what your work is like. You know, yeah. I mean, for me, the semester just ended, right? So as a teacher, as a professor, I'm going to go through a period of a couple of days where I really need to just stare at the wall and do nothing. And then once I reset, yeah, I, I think um, later in the month in the month and in the very beginning of January I'm going to take the opportunity to actually train harder and start a fairly hard training cycle through the spring you know
2: so. do you have any uh, Lonnie, any specific goals that you're going forward?
1: Um, actually Phil and I were talking about me coming out to visit him so I just thought I would pile on as much mass as I could and uh impress the people at his gym. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Since I'm not yeah. going to be more than 220, you know, it, I, I better be wildly hypertrophied because I'm not going to impress him with my strength, I'll tell you that.
3: <laughs> you got to be 242 by the time you get here. That's the goal. Cool oh, thing.
1: I don't know about that. But <laughs> I'll be, I'll try to be 220 plus. You know? All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, um, in preparation, actually, I even tweeted this, I thought, You know, I'm gonna start doing multiple sets with 405 in the squat, and I haven't done that for a while. There you go. And my second set, I was going for rep number five, and I tweaked something in my, I don't like the glute ham tie-in area. I'm like, oh god, come on, 40 year old body, pull it. I don't know what something just kind of popped and tweaked in there. I have no idea. Nothing turned black and blue, so I don't think I tore anything, but it might have been like the. Biceps femoris, but the yeah, weight felt you. really good, and I, I thought, well, I'll just leg press for two weeks and let that heal up before I... Oh. Oh. Yeah. The hot
2: call. More pizza. Yeah.
3: If, no, that wasn't the pizza line, that the donut line. A <laughs> separate lines.
1: The, the Krispy Kreme hot line. <laughs> okay. So, um. Well, anyway, the, what about you, Rob? Are you going to take this opportunity now that you've, uh, reestablished to try to start training harder? Or are you going to wait for the, the holiday season to be over before you do that or what?
2: Um yes and no. I mean, I, uh, I have to tra- uh, attend a training academy probably within a month or so. So that's obviously going to put a, <laughs> another stake through my weight training. But, you know, I just keep try. I don't. I don't really focus on that. I just keep. You know, when I when I when I do train, I just train towards the ultimate goal to get stronger. So, because I know eventually the day will come. You know, when I'm back onto a uh, you know very set routine, and uh, it'll all be good. So, you know, I'm not one of these people who thinks well, it's not perfect right now. So, and I know a lot of people who do this. You know, it's it's not perfect right now, so I'm not going to either. You know, horror of horrors. They. You know, I'm not going. At all, or if they do train, they kind of always have this thing in their head where, well, it's not perfect, so I'm just going to kind of just, you know, goof around for a bit. And, and yeah. I think, generally speaking, I mean, obviously, it's sometimes two or three weeks here, you know, there. That's fine, but generally speaking, I think that's a, a, a wrong way to go about it for people who are, you know, training towards something that's very specifically athletically um, in our domain for strength and size. I think you should always be training towards the idea that you know you you're working towards that ultimate goal you know and you you're not kind of making excuses like well it's a you good know.
1: point Rob I'll, this past semester was my first semester in new, new university and I um that's exactly what I did I'm like you know what I'm going to try to make uh as much progress as I am as I can as far as like a maybe conditioning is not the right word but we've talked in past weeks about how you can condition in a certain medium rep range with you know multiple sets I don't mean conditioning just aerobic conditioning you know of course yeah but yeah by but looking long term on the goal set the stage this fall start training harder uh in the spring you know and then when i thought i'll go see phil um it gives me just a little event to sort of back calculate towards so i can just put on as much size as i can in the spring just you know train hard uh but like you were saying you you don't just spin your wheels just make a longer term goal you know and
2: Well, just recently I had a friend that, you know, was pursuing the same thing that I am right now. And when I asked him, you know, uh, when he's going to get back to training and so forth, he, uh, his response kind of highlighted the complete opposite of how I look at things. He was like, well, you know, I can't really, uh, you know, uh, afford my supplements right now and, you know, the way I want to do it and stuff. So, and eat the way I really want to eat. So I'm just not going to train. I I didn't really understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because first of all, how much you know? I mean, if you can't afford supplements, and I, I, and again, I'm not suggesting anything. I don't know if he was making references to supplements being more <laughs> more than just supplements. I don't know what he was referring to. Um, but the way I look at it, I mean, how expensive it really is it to buy a bunch of boxes of craft dinner and a bunch of eggs and milk. Um, yeah, you know, it might not be the optimum optimal pre bodybuilding competition diet. But I'm sure both you and Phil recognize that, you know, I mean, yeah, you can spend a ton of money, you know, to eat the way optimally you want to eat, or you can spend, you know, modest amounts of money and still eat a ton of food. You know, like I say, I mean, how expensive is it to buy a bunch of eggs, a bunch of milk? But, you know, a bunch of you know, bunch oatmeal. of oatmeal, yeah, but oatmeal, bunch of yeah. bunch of boxes of craft dinner. And again, you, you might complain about this, that it's new, it's not the perfect pasta, it's not the perfect this. But you know what? I, I've always said, unless you're eating filet mignon every day, you can still eat a lot of food, man, and still not spend a lot yeah. of money. I think again, outside of very expensive cuts of meat, and or. Spending lots of money on, cause I mean, let's face it, I, when I go to the, the grocery store, I notice that, I've always noticed that the people who tally the biggest bill in the checkout line are the people with all the, you know, the, the extras, you know, the bags yeah. of chips, the pop, the this, the that, all this stuff that, you know, I mean, if you took all that crap out of their cart, you'd be left with probably a quarter of the volume of what's left, and that would be the stuff that, you know, nutritionally really mattered, you know? Well, I could tell so, you this,
1: Rob, I think, I, First, I think it's the protein foods that usually cost the most, you know. Um, but again, once you get a gram per pound or so, um, you really need fuel. Protein's not really the fuel. For protein, like you said, eggs, milk, cans of tuna are cheap. When I hear people say, though, that I can't eat clean because it's too expensive, I think they need to sort of reassess, right, because, first of all, what do you mean by clean? But you can certainly get... Healthy sources of oils like canola, you know, or, uh, all discounted olive oil. Like you said, eggs and milk and, uh, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, tuna is cheap, like I said. So there's a lot of things that you can do and keep it cheap. And like you said, those are the staple foods anyway.
3: Exactly. You just won't be eating gourmet. You know, the stuff I ate when I was in graduate school. Oh my God. Oh yeah. You know, frickin' cans of mackerel. I'll, I'll never open a can of <laughs> mackerel again in my life. But exactly. It was cheap and
1: it was good quality protein and fat. But uh, yeah. Right. Now I will uh-huh. say this: if you want to buy the fancy low carb items or low fat items or whatever, it could it can make certain aspects of your of your diet easier. But like you're saying, Rob, if you want to just man up and or, or woman up, as it were, and, and go for it, then you can still do that with some yeah. real basics. Yeah. Yeah. I just
3: ordered a uh, I just ordered a whole hog and a half a
1: cow. <laughs> so I'm going to be set, dude. Yeah. Oh, dude. You know, that fits perfect with one of the suggestions I'm going to make is the Great Meat Cookbook. I'll oh, get to that in a yeah. second.
3: But, it's so much cheaper, though. Oh. You know, I just set it aside, and I you know, I got to about with my wife. I said, like, let's just set this money away for a little while. And now we just don't have to worry about buying any meat for quite some time. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I paid, before it's butchered, a freaking half a cow cost me $2.25 a pound.
1: You so know, now, wait a minute. Do you have a... Do you have a chest freezer or something then, or? Yeah, I got a big freezer in the basement. That's. I think that's on my to-do list for 2013. Oh, is get a, a way to go. at least a small, 200 dollars chest freezer. Yeah. I think. You'd be amazed
3: when you know buying. This will be the. I bought a half pig the first time. Next time we bought a full pig. I just bought a full pig this time. Um, this just so cheap, and you get so much for so little. Um, we were paying for a half butchered and everything about 150 bucks. So. That's a you know that's a hundred plus pounds of meat for you know
1: dollar fifty a pound. So well, you need Bruce Adol's great meat cookbook, my friend. Yeah, yeah, there we go. (laughs) And I I have no financial ties to this guy though. He's just some kind of sausage czar. I don't know, (laughs) but anyway, um, yeah, no, that's good stuff. Um, okay, well, I'll tell you what, it's an early break already, but let's go ahead and take that early break. Uh, when we come back, I've got one little tidbit of news that I forgot to mention we can have a laugh about, and then we'll do our topic, which is uh, you know, some of the products that we like the most that you could get for a friend or have your spouse get for you or whatever, and have a happy holiday season.
3: some of us don't understand how lucky we are to be
2: living in this. Place. Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron ready in your thoughts. Every week for four years now, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member, or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in, $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January 2013, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays.
0: Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the Protein and Resistance Exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history in strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter two on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Merry Christmas, everybody! We are back. It's Rob and Phil and Lonnie, and I want to start quickly with a bit of news that I mentioned right before we went to break. Um, before we get to our sort of gift suggestions and reviews uh, for this holiday episode, and that is um, an email that was sent to me by a student. Um, this young guy was in my office, and he's like, "Have you heard about the guy with the biggest arms on earth?" and and this and that, and supposedly he eats, I don't know, like ten or 15,000 calories a day, and he says he's natural, and he doesn't use steroids, and this and that. And he shows me uh, a link, and, you know, there's a picture of this guy. His arms are so obviously, like, not muscle tissue. <laughs> you don't have to be an anatomist to look at this and say, you know, this this swinging, bulk, this thing. And you know what? If this guy says he's real, I'm calling you out, Mr. MRI unit at high noon. We'll stick you in, and we'll see what's inside. We'll take a nice look yeah. inside at that giant wad of silicon or oil or whatever's in your arm. And, you know, I will be a vegan for three months if you um, if, if um have all muscle. Real muscle tissue and it's not augmented. Yeah. Uh,
2: this guy, this, well, let's just say his name, right? Have you said, have you said his name yet, Lonnie? No, I haven't. <clears throat> Mustafa Ismail. He says he eats seven pounds of protein, nine pounds of carbohydrates, and three gallons of water each day to help maintain his upper arms that measure 31 inches around. Skeptics say there must also be steroids or some other artificial means yet beside, beyond, behind his beyond. Why is it
1: always steroids? You know, let me just bring listeners up to speed. Rob and I went out to dinner with Greg Valentine once and Greg's a very nice guy, but he's, um, he's kind of a clown, you know, in a way. And I don't mean that in a very nasty way, I just mean literally. He's a jokester and um and you know, he was explaining to us that um through some of his intimate relations with um I guess transsexuals, um, he understood that they used silicon injections to shape their hips and give themselves breasts and this and that. And he's like, Oh, you know, well, why couldn't you do that for bodybuilding purposes? So I'm I'll leave any gory details, you know, uh, unsaid, but the the fact remain is that not just synthol injections, which are just a means to inflate a muscle like an oil balloon, of course, but even silicon, um, can be used to cause these dramatic engorged, you know, muscles, but when you see their arms, and I, I could imagine if you saw it moving especially, you wouldn't see contractions going on there. And it's amazing that the lay media gets a hold of that and says, oh, anabolic steroids. It's like, Anabolic steroids create living tissue that flexes and contracts. So let's not that's not what that is, okay? <laughs> so uh anyway. Yeah. No,
2: there's pictures of this guy and it's uh I'm telling you, I don't even know why you'd want arms like this anyway. It doesn't even look like muscle to me anyway. No. I mean, it's just so absurd. And you know, it, it's um for a lot of people who I, I go on some of the different muscle bodybuilding forms that are out there. Um there always seems to be a thread popping up every month or two, you know, with various pictures. And I, I was talking to Lonnie the other day saying that a lot of this guy, this guy's an Egyptian guy. Um, a lot of the Middle Eastern guys, uh, you see a lot of these pictures from the Middle East of these, these guys. And in fact, there's more pictures like this on the internet that, that I care to admit, um, about these types of, jo- you know, goofballs with their, with their pumped up hyperinflated, uh, you know, arms and so forth. And they all look so ridiculous. Yes. And I just don't even understand it because like I said like we were talking about I it doesn't look like muscle it just looks like some sort of um, you know pustule filled you know some pus filled limb <laughs> I, I don't know it, 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 it <laughs> just it, but it looks so bad you know like I mean I'm and you could say well yeah but the general public doesn't know any different honestly
3: yeah.
2: like, I think I think and this is the one time you'll probably hear me say this because I actually wouldn't say this for a majority of any topic but I think People underestimate the general public in this instance in knowing something is not right with this dude. You yeah, know even if you
1: don't understand anatomy or what anabolic steroids do to people versus don't do to people. Yeah, you look, anybody you would think would look at that and say something is awry. Yeah. You, yeah, cause no, I'll, I'll tell, tell you what's it, awry. It's this, it's <laughs> the psyche of somebody who's willing to accept accolades. And I mean you hear all the time about oh, that's fake, that's not real, you know, like if you look at Dorian Yates now, he does not look like what he used to, but at least he was living tissue, then he's living tissue now, you know he was strong then the and again i'm all I'm saying is all of a sudden these these jokers, these clowns, they inflate themselves in whatever way with oil or silicon or what have you, and then people are suddenly asking them how they eat like 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 this guy's a food expert, he's going to give us calorie tips, yeah. you know it's like okay, that's. Not a good source to, to listen to. I love, I love how in this article it
2: says, you know, he, uh, can lift 600 pounds. You know, and later on I was looking for some sort of clarification on what, what exactly, in what capacity he's like.
3: You know, he, uh. It's gotta be his leg press. Yeah, he,
2: daily (laughs) two hour workouts in which he lifts as much as 600 pounds. I mean, any, you know, all of our listeners certainly know this. What does that mean? He lifts six hundred pounds, like like yeah. Phil's saying. I mean, well, like what he leg presses six hundred pounds, like six hundred pound calf like, raise. like he shoulder presses six hundred pounds. <laughs> like you know, like I mean that that is just just throwing out a random number like that to somebody who even understands rudiments of weight training realize that that kind of means.
1: Okay, listeners, we are having some audio gremlins here, elves infiltrating our audio stream here, but um, what I thought we would do is move on from, you know, Mr. Look at my giant oil balloon biceps and triceps, and uh, or silicon, as it were, and then get to our topic, which is sort of uh, gift ideas, or you can call it product review or, or whatever you like, So. What I thought we could do is and this'll end up being a mishmash because we're just relaxing right now, but I've got a bunch of um nutrition related stuff. And I know that um we've had some questions on our Facebook listeners page as far as um you know, what knee sleeves are good? What do you guys use for wraps and belts and, and all those sorts of things? And so that'd be natural stuff for for Phil to chime in on. And then um I know Rob's life has been upside down lately, but Anything that Rob can offer as far as you know CDs or motivational stuff uh, would also be very cool. So let me kick this off. I've got a couple of things here, and I'm going to start with kitcheny stuff rather than go right to the dietary supplement sorts of things. Um, one of the things I'm going to suggest is go look at um, if you're not using Apple's iOS, and you can actually see the Flash store on our main web page, we have uh, aprons. we got some funny aprons on there. So, there's iron radio aprons, one's related to Phil, and one of them is sort of sciency, but that's a self serving thing I'm going to throw out there. We got mugs and and shirts uh, I've noticed some people lately buying uh mugs and shirts for either friends or themselves for the holidays so so that's cool but it, in other uh kitcheny kinds of things, there's something that my wife picked up a couple of months ago, and I thought it was very cool I'd tell people about if you eat lots of tuna or you're opening cans a lot as you're consuming, uh, copious amounts of food. Um, there's a company called Chefin, C H E F apostrophe N, and they make some cool gadgets. And, uh, this one, I think she got from a specialty store, but this is a can opener. And I don't know if you can hear this, but it doesn't work like a regular can opener at all. It locks onto the side. There's a little like uh, neodymium magnet or something. And it is a brilliant way to crank through a can in about two seconds flat. So if you're the kind of person, you know, you're taking a lot of cans of stuff to to work, canned meat, soup, whatever, uh, like I said, tuna. Um, we were mentioning that's a cheap source of protein. So there you go. This, this Chef-In can opener is a very cool thing. And maybe I'll take a picture of it and put it on our Facebook page. Uh, and one other thing is uh, a Misto. A lot of listeners probably already have these, but you can get these oh all over the place, Amazon.com, Target, Walmart, I think they all have them. And what's cool about a Misto is that it's a stainless steel, uh, for the most part. There's some plastic components, but, um, olive oil sprayer. So instead of spraying Pam or some generic kind of Pam all over your nonstick pan, um, this lets you actually glug canola or olive oil, whatever oil you choose into it. And boom, there's your, you know, slipped up pan. Without having to, you know, literally glug half an inch of oil into the bottom of the pan and deep fry everything or, you know, full fry. This will let you pan sear with, um, healthy oils. Uh, and if you really want to go the extra yard, I suppose you could even buy your healthy olive oil or whatnot in a glass jar, pour it in here and try to minimize the amount of plastic altogether. But I think a Misto is great. And like I said, if you were to type in Misto sprayer, uh, M-I-S-T-O, um, they're hand pumped and that's how you get the pressure into them and uh I've had a pretty good luck sometimes they clog uh if you overfill them so if it's if it's squirting instead of spraying you just got to fool around with the amount of oil that's in there make sure that the tip is clean but so cool little kitchen gadgets I thought I could offer from the the nutrition side now Phil you um you're obviously a guy who uses a lot of belts and, and sleeves and wraps and things like that. Oh, yeah. Favorites, or is it something that doesn't matter so much?
3: No, it matters. It matters for sure. I mean, um, there's there's different people who are going to like different things, of course. But, um, you know, we had a lot of talk on the site, you know, a guy getting, when, when do you start using wraps and belts and stuff like that? And that's, that's a hard question. Um, you know, I started late you know maybe i should have started a little earlier i i wish i would have started wearing knee wraps a little earlier just like a training wrap um so i mean it really depends and i mean it, like as as far as like a competition wrap i don't think anybody really needs them unless they're going to compete um but i you know i really like a training wrap for about anybody um they really keep my knees safe and the titan i think titan has a good set of those that i like um no you're not talking you not...
2: Talking about the uh, the sleeves the knee sleeves.
3: No, this is a wrap. I like sleeves too. I I prefer I prefer wraps for some support than I do over sleeves. So um, they're they have what's called the Red Devil knee wrap. It's a really beginner knee wrap. It's either that or just go get a a freaking set of Ace bandages. Um, I don't like a competition wrap for getting stronger. Um, like me, I won't throw my competition wraps on until we're you know three weeks out from a meet. And you know, I, I stay in these. They're just a white wrap with little red lines. I might get five pounds out of them, um, but they just keep things in place. Um And That's you funny know, I'm you not getting that, any though. younger.
1: It's the same thing I do. My knee wraps. I think Rob, Rob has mentioned this before. Like those, those are mostly psychological, bro. Yeah. They're old. You know, they're they're elastic. I, they're more uh, substantial than a, an ace bandage. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I can I can bend my knee in them. You know.
3: Yeah, and so can I. And these, I mean, uh, mine are probably five years old. So any spring they had are gone and they don't, they didn't have much when I got them. Yes. And yeah, I mean, I can bend my knee up and down and they just kind of put some pressure on my patella tendon and stuff like that. Right. As far as the, you know, people were asking about sleeves or wraps. I prefer, I don't know, I just prefer the wrap. Um, I take them on and off between sets. Uh, Elite Fitness, if you want something, a knee sleeve with some support has, I think they're, their sleeves are good. My wife uses them. A couple of my other lifters use those. Um, they're, they're a little bit of a pain in the butt to get on. Uh, especially you have like a big calf and then having to go up over your knee and stuff. But, uh, for support, those are good. I, the knee sleeves I use are just TKs. Um, the, the Tommy Kono knee sleeves. And they're just a really thick neoprene. You don't get anything out of them, but they, they, they heat you up fast. Actually, and that's what, Bill, I that's think what the I was knee sleeves ask. are good for.
1: Yeah, I don't, I never quite understood the sleeves idea. Um, do, does anybody get lift out of those sleeves or are they just meant for warming?
3: I think, well, the neoprene ones are pretty much just warming. You don't get really support out of them. Okay. But all my knees will feel considerably better if I like throw my knee sleeves on a half an hour before I go train. And you get a bunch of heat around that joint and all that, you know, all the fluids and the synovial fluid and all that stuff starts getting down there. Um, it'll help my knees quite a bit. And you you
1: leave them on. They stay on.
3: Yeah, I'll throw them on like a half an hour before I come in. And then I'll I'll leave them on through the training session unless I'm going up and putting my wraps on. Okay. You know, and my wraps, it depends day to day. Most of the time I'll keep them off until I'm to heavy sets. You know, but if I'm having a bad day where my knee's hurting a little bit, like today I just went in and all we did, it was my first day back from a deload and my training actually starts next week. So I just went up to like 345 for some sets of three Um, just to move some weight uh, on the squat. And one of my knees was hurting, so I threw one on, you know, and – uh but yeah, no. If you want to, if you want to sleeve with support, the the elite fitness ones are. You'll get some spring out of those. Mm,
1: okay.
3: So, but you got to get used to. You're going to pull this thing on. It's going to stay on there. Because I mean, they are. uh You got to work to put it over your knee. I mean, like with my wife, a lot of times it's me and her and one other person pulling hers on. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, type of thing. So yeah. So um. No, that's where I go with those. And I mean, I think. I think more people should throw on. The, the neoprene ones. I think you're going to save yourself a lot of uh, of knee issues if you do. If you just get get those joints nice and hot before you squat and things like that. And some people love the rebands. I think they're an awesome they're an awesome sleeve. The old blue ones. But I just can't justify the price. You know, I can get a pair of the TKs for you know forty bucks or under. And with the old blue rebands, you're paying forty bucks plus a piece Ooh. for a freaking neoprene sleeve. You know, it's like, you know, I just can't, I I can't justify that over, you know, I don't mind having to adjust my TKs. They might slide down every once in a while and stuff like that, but it's, it's, it's not worth double the price for me for something that I'm going to tear up and have to replace. So, right. Yeah. You know, that's where I'd go with it. The knee, knee issue thing.
1: What about belts?
3: Belts. Um, I am probably the only person that will say everybody laughs at my belt. Um, you know all the not not people, the general population, but you know if I'm around big lifters and stuff, I just have an an old 13 millimeter lever belt, a, a leather belt, a two prong that I've had for a frickin' decade, and it costs about 40 bucks. Um, yeah. I most of my lifters buy that, and I go to oh what is it? If you Google Atlantis Fitness, a, a T. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. I'll even. Yeah, Atlantis Fitness and you'll see it, Um exercise-equipment-parts.com. You can go on there and go to lifting belts. And the one I got cost forty nine ninety five. So for a four inch leather belt, it's 13 millimeter. It's not the best thing in the world, but uh, it's a, you know, it's lasted me a decade and, and lots and lots of lifting in that decade. Um, they got some new ones there if you want if you want to get into colors, stuff like that. Um, they have a made in the USA belt and they make it the older. You can pick whatever freaking color you want. We got my wife one. And they're not much more, it's fifty eight fifty, which is still considerably cheaper than than a lot of places. If you want to get into a higher end belt, you know, I have some clients that get into that. Enzer makes a real nice belt. Um, and they're nice, they're stiff, they're gonna take a while to break in. I just I haven't needed anything stiffer than what I got and you know, it's not like I'm lifting lightweights.
1: So. Right. Well, actually, uh, Phil, you're making me feel quite a bit better because, uh, I tend to grab leather belts. You know, uh-huh. now being a bodybuilder instead of a power lifter, I've got more leeway, right? But I, I, I wouldn't want one of those giant blue belts that are so stiff, you have to have a buddy get it on you and, and this and that. And uh, same thing with you. I have a, like a four inch, I think this one's a power systems that I'm holding in my hand right here. Um, you know, usually if I have a friend who's a strength coach or this or that, they'll just say, "Oh yeah, I'll just take one with you or whatever." And I I have like a a round table of maybe three or four of these things that I've had like you for ten fifteen years. Yeah. And I don't know, I I love them. Yeah. <laughs> they they I mean, keep things tightened down enough that I don't get injured. You yeah. Know? But um, honestly, I don't know really what it's like to train in one of those incredibly thick powerlifting belts.
3: And mine's fairly thick. It's 11 millimeter, I think, but it's so old. I mean, it'll flop all around. It's not stiff. It's mm-hmm. really. I mean, I can take it and it'll flop around like a piece of paper. Um, and I, it just gives me something to push out on, you know. And I've some of the heavier, thicker belts. They're just. I don't. I don't like them. It's too much there. They bind me up. Some people love them. And like I said, I mean, you go to Enzer. You can get a freaking belt made out of python skin if you want. Wow. Uh, yeah. And one of my clients just got a lever belt from them. Um, I personally think too many people wear their belts too tight. Um, I've
2: I've always found that, and I've heard this before, you know, like for squat, heavy, heavy, heavy squats, certainly a very tight belt, but for heavy deadlifts, it's actually good. I always have my belt um, one or two notches actually looser for deadlifts than I do for
3: a squat act. Oh, yeah, so if I'm going to wear a belt, I will too. I can't get in position. Um, I exactly. think even also a lot of people are putting them on too tight and not learning how to get their air down against that belt. You know, they put it on so frigging tight they can't push their air in their belly. Um, but you know, that's I try and teach my people early on. We we wear belts real loose to the start, and they learn to engage against that thing. But uh yeah, I mean, I think you know, I, if you want to spend a little money, you want to spend sixty, seventy, eighty bucks on a belt. Fine, I mean, it's gonna. The good thing about a belt, usually it's going to last a lifetime. You know, unless you just blatantly abuse it, run it over to your car, throw it around, leave it in the rain, something like that. But my cheap little belt that was probably $35 when it was new and now they're up to $45, it's lasted me. I, I guess I'll probably need one soon just because the little flap that holds the belt after it goes through, the excess you know, belt that it's, it's starting to loosen up and rip. Yeah.
1: That's the, always but, seems what goes, even on the leather kinds of bodybuilding style belts that I yeah. wear is, it's always the little, um, loophole, loop thing that holds it down. <laughs>
3: know, but I, yeah, exactly. And I'm going to roll with that as long as I can. I'll probably end up getting another one of these for now. they are ninety five, and it'll last me another 10 years. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I don't know what else. Shoes, I guess. You know, I, I prefer, I prefer squatting in a heeled shoe. Um, so I use an Olympic lifting shoe myself, but do makes a good shoe. There's so many people making them out. You have so many choices for a long time there. It was like Adidas and Dewin came along then and that was all you had. Now you can get all fancy. You can get in Nikes and Ristos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, me, I personally don't care what the hell they look like. I'm just
1: squatting in them. So i you know, let me offer shoe- this. I, I grabbed a pair of, uh, about a year and a half ago. Of just some um, Converse All Stars, you know, and and I thought, oh, they're nice and flat, you know, because my son wants, you know, he's always saying, well, when you skate, Dad, you're never going to be able to master any of these tricks unless you got a nice flat sole. And I'm like, well, great, it'll be, it'll be good in the gym, it'll be good here. But I will say this, and I, I know some of our listeners have mentioned this before as well, is. I don't know. I, I although they're they're good at times. If I'm going to do something like go do some cardio first, like on a treadmill, or if I'm going to do anything, I have no idea how old school basketball players used to run up and down the court in those things <laughs> because they kill my ankles. The medial yeah. malleolus there, that you know, the the inner ankle is just aching like crazy if I wear those too much. And uh, so they'd be great to like to literally walk up to the squat rack, strap them on, and 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 do my business, you know. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be very particular as far as who's built for them and who's not, you know.
3: Yeah. No, and, and I have some lifters that I put in flat-soled shoes and some lifters that are better in heeled shoe. So that kind of depends. I mean, I yeah. prefer a heeled shoe. It gives me a little more mobility. Um, I find a lot of your taller, longer-limbed lifters do better in a shoe. Uh, it gives you that false length in Achilles tendon.
1: So, so the heel, the heel itself, it doesn't shift the stress anteriorly toward your quads or anything, or it, it's just yeah, it
3: does a bit. Okay, yeah, it does a bit, but it gives you a. I think the main thing it gives us, especially as taller lifters, because we have to bend so fricking much, it gives. It's it's like your Achilles tendon just became came, became an inch and a half longer. So right, we can yeah. squat down without our heel leaving the ground. A little easier, yeah, type of thing. Oh, and I can see, hit, yeah, for tall guys, heels, we'll, yeah, yeah. Um, because I've got, I've probably got the legs of somebody that's 6'6". I am all frickin' legs, and, uh, so, and, you know, other than that, I mean, I like, I do like throwing people in a Chuck Taylor. Something that's hard, uh, I'll go to frickin' Walmart and get their knockoff of Chuck Taylor's. You know, the All-Stars, and because, I mean, it's just something, all I'm gonna do in it is squat, so I'm not gonna beat it up, go running in it, things like that. Um, wrestling shoes are great. Um, they make lifting boots. one of my lifters just bought some of those. If you got the money and I mean, it 's going to last you forever again. you know, I think something like that's good, but right. yeah, I mean everybody needs a belt I think everybody needs a belt, and everybody needs some kind of shoe aside from an athletic shoe, whichever works for you a heeled shoe, a wrestling shoe, uh, you know now they' got so many minimal shoes. My wife got a pair of the minimal shoes, and they 're great because you're basically you 're standing on a really thin piece of hard rubber. Um, so, you know, other than that, so individual, So, I mean, I don't know if people want suggestions, drop me a line on, on the, the Facebook and I'll tell you where I get stuff. So I get no secrets there, but, uh,
1: well, okay. I'll tell you before I move on to some of the supplement stuff, Rob, uh, any motivational stuff that that you've enjoyed over the past year or so and good, uh, metal CDs or books or videos you're watching, any of that kind of stuff? Um, my most recent music purchase is by
2: a Swedish death metal band called Ion, A E O N, and uh their newest album. Um, it's, it's good. It's like it, it's it, they're a Swedish band, like I say, but they sound like kind of like old school American death metal. Um, I guess the one that's kind of the, the metal album right now that's kind of you know within more. Serious Metal Circles is uh by the German old German thrash band Destruction. Um, their new album. Um, it's called uh Spiritual Genocide. And it's uh actually I don't even have it yet. I've only heard sound samples. I actually have it coming in the mail right now. So that's good old German uh thrash, speed metal. So um yeah, that's all I have to offer from the music side right now.
1: Okay. Okay. I'll tell you what. I've got a book. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that real quick. That great meat cookbook that came out this fall. Um, before I talk about the supplement stuff, but um, I the cheapest I found it, and listeners may find it cheaper elsewhere. I didn't do an exhaustive search, but on um, BarnesandNoble. Uh, com, um, again, this is Bruce Adels, the Great Meat Cookbook: Everything You Need to Know to Buy and Cook Today's Meat. Um, there's 22,000 reviews on this thing. And it's getting four out of five stars. And I know there's been some notable newspapers and big publishers that have said good things about it. I don't own it myself. Um, so I'm suggesting it, you know, with a, a grain of salt, I think. Um, but this says in the overview, it says with the rise of small farmers and the internet and more diverse meat supplies available, not only beef, pork, lamb and veal, but also bison, venison and goat. Today's shopper confronts a host of bewildering, often misleading labels such as Certified Organic, uh, Humanely Raised, and Vegetarian Diet, and many more. So whether the cook shops at the local farmer's market or the supermarket, the Great Meat Cookbook is a definitive guide to the new landscape. Um, this is a, quite a tome, 640 pages. Um, came out in October of 2012, Houghton Mifflin, or Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Um, looks interesting. Um, and again, written by... The founder of the Adel Sausage Company. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. It looks interesting to me. It, the cover on it is making my mouth water. So, it looks like good stuff. Especially the way I'm always hearing our guest or even Phil say he's buying sides of beef and, you know, half a pig and all this kind of stuff. This is, just looks like a great way to, you know, put all that meat to work. I'm yeah. I'm uh, and you know what? There's a, one more thing too, I'm gonna, before I talk about the supplements. If you're interested in the science side of things I know some of our listeners are uh you probably heard me mention thinkgeek.com before but check those guys out they have all these holiday deals I have a bug uh, a mug that's shaped like a beaker you know it looks like a beaker a coffee mug uh but I have a caffeine molecule t-shirt uh, one of my students had one on once and of course you know I'm doing research with caffeine and things like that so but they have tons of stuff office warfare stuff I mean, the list goes on and on. A lot of fun, geeky stuff that I think our listeners would like at thinkgeek.com. And again, I don't have any relationship with them at all. I just think it's awesome stuff. So, um, Okay, let me share some stuff about the supplements and uh, other little nutritional tidbits. Stocking stuffers, whatever. I'm going to start with my little uh, informal experimentation with dietary stimulant type things. This fall, I went out and I got a couple of things instead of just my usual caffeine. Because I think a lot of people, they go off the deep end with all these uh, new kinds of stimulants. And good old caffeine actually works pretty darn well. I mean, the research that we're looking at right now, uh, I can't spoil it too much. But there's a statistically significant increase in things like bar velocity and um, rate of force development and things like that in very specific um, bench and squat type movements. And I've got some pretty sophisticated machinery looking at this. So, again, I thought, well, one of the drawbacks, of course, with caffeine is that you get the jitters and it can string you out a little. And when I was at a conference in Canada, I heard about combining theanine, uh, the amino acid, with caffeine. Uh, T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E. And L-theanine is a little bit pricey. Uh Now products make it. Um, I got it at the local health food store. But the idea here is um apparently in research theanine mixed with caffeine can really increase focus and concentration and that's attractive to me on, you know, the the mental side of my job of course. But um also it tends to take a bit of the edge off. I mean if you take a if I take a two hundred milligram caffeine tablet, and I know we've had guests that take four hundred milligrams of caffeine before they train, um, that can leave me feeling anxious later. And so the whole thing with theanine is you're you're taking probably one or two hundred milligrams of the, of the theanine along with one or two hundred milligrams of the caffeine. And then I'm actually sort of creating my own little stack and I'm putting some sublingual B12 uh, at the same time with that. And I say sublingual very specifically because a lot of people, in fact, as you get middle-aged and older, about one in five, lack the ability to absorb B12 orally. Uh, you have a special protein in your stomach called intrinsic factor and you lose that. Um, so I'm not going to go on about megaloblastic anemia and, you know, myelin sheets of your nerves getting damaged and all this sort of thing. But B12 is also used anecdotally by some football teams and other groups that they swear by its acute energizing effects. So I've been playing with this, um, again, sublingual being the key. The one I have my hand here is Nature's Bounty. I think I either got this at Target or Walmart, whoever sells Nature's Bounty, but, um, you know, I really like the combination of, of these things, of the of the B12 and the theanine and caffeine. So, if you're interested in that sort of pre-workout mix, something to think about. Like I said, the B12 and the caffeine should be quite cheap. Uh, the theanine not as cheap. I will say this. I also grabbed some taurine, and usually you take um, you know, you might take like fifteen hundred uh, milligrams of the taurine, like maybe three capsules of taurine along with the caffeine. If you're not familiar, this is one of the features of Red Bull, right? Or a lot of energy drinks. So mm-hmm. you could ex- try experimenting with that too, uh, 1,500 milligrams with your usual dose of caffeine and see what that does for you if you get the sort of energy drink kind of effect. I was interested because I know for a fact that there's been a couple of times that I drank a Red Bull and it didn't just feel um, mental focus-wise like just caffeine to me or like coffee. So I thought I would give it a try. Uh Quick review, I would think... Uh, my opinion is taurine is less exciting. I think the B12 and caffeine is sort of neat and then the theanine to help with a more of a calm, alert concentration, um, possibilities. And again, informal, that's not something I'm doing in the lab, but you, you can in fact get on the National Library of Medicine and see real data on them, on researchers combining theanine with caffeine in a two to one ratio or maybe even a one to one ratio, uh, and, and see what that does to your mental focus if you're having a hard time with that. Um, I'm also going to push what I'm um, doing research on right now, and they don't fund me, um, believe it or not. I actually asked the Starbucks people for funding, and they said no. Uh, but luckily, we have some uh, listeners, and you know who you are, thank you 10 times, who are, are willing to donate some. But um, VIA, uh, Starbucks VIA is much more caffeinated than regular instant coffee. I've talked about this before on the show. Instead of 70 milligrams, in regular instant coffee, my understanding from some information I've heard from Starbucks is that this could have perhaps 180 milligrams um, in an 8-ounce single-serve packet. So that's a tremendous amount of, of caffeine, if that's accurate. Um, it's not just instant coffee, and I think that's why it's different from like Nescafe type stuff. It's actually micro ground coffee as well. But this stuff is so handy. I've got a travel mug. It's like a revolver, and it's got this these things in the bottom of it. I've mentioned it before and it's uh, man I'll tell you you don't have have to have a coffee pot around it's almost like having dry protein powder in uh you know a sports bottle or something you have a packet of this in your pocket literally and you, you boom there's a you know one or two of those and it's going to really have an effect we actually did some sensory evals with this and just two packets of this really makes people very chatty and you know very up for a workout no so, kidding uh, <laughs> so uh Good stuff, I think, with the Starbucks via. They've got lots of different kinds now, as well. So, and then the last thing I was going to suggest is, with cold season arising, and if you are going to launch into some very hard training, plus you know the immune stress of cold season, um, just vitamins in the stocking, like vitamin E and C or vitamin D. I don't even have to go on about that anymore. A couple yeah. thousand units of D. Uh, vitamin C, I prefer 250 milligram tablets, which is lower than you usually find. Uh, partly because uh average sized person saturates their tissues on about 200, 200 to two hundred and fifty milligrams of vitamin C as I understand it. So taking five hundred or a thousand or more at a time, I'm thinking you're wasting a lot of that.
3: Well isn't there a point of saturation too where God, I can't remember where this came from, but uh
1: doesn't too much
3: C can actually become oxidant instead of antioxidant, can't it?
1: That's right. Yeah. I actually yeah. did um a book chapter on antioxidants and exercise for Lippincott, I think it was a few years ago. And, yes, if you overdo it, you can start to see markers of oxidative damage. Uh, So I'm a fan of the lowest-dose antioxidant blend. You can get some sort of generic version of um, um, Protegra, it was called. Uh, It's basically beta-carotene and C and E. There's some antioxidant minerals in there, selenium, for example. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but low dose stuff. And then the, if you're gonna go straight vitamin E, I like 200 IUs. Again, usually you can't find less than 400 unless you get one of those generic blends. Walmart has has a generic blend that's uh, similar to that Protegra. Uh,
3: gotcha.
1: And, you know, so that's handy too. I just, uh, again, you're gonna see the research go back and forth an awful lot on antioxidants. But trust me, even though it's debatable whether or not hard trainers need antioxidants, and we could even do a whole show on this if I wanted more people, but. Naturally, you upregulate certain enzymes in your muscles, antioxidant enzymes like glutathione peroxidase and and others, SOD. There's a couple of different ones. And the question comes, but do they? Do you naturally protect yourself enough when you're under really hard training? And and that's very debatable. So when I'm under very hard training, I'm sore all the time. I like some extra uh, E and C, and I've got some here in front of me. Uh, And again, with cold season and everything else, you're going to see a lot of stuff go back and forth on vitamin C. Um vitamin C certainly doesn't prevent the common cold, but there is some intriguing data that it could shorten the severity or the duration of a common cold by a little bit. Gotcha. So um you know, some basics from the supplement cabinet here. Anyway, so that's my show. torches. Do you have anything else? Any other motivational tips? Um, not too much really, because
2: I'm still trying to find my groove out in this western part of Canada.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so no, I agree,
2: Um this is actually going to be my first Christmas, uh, away from any sort of, uh, you know, immediate family, actually, in all my, my entire life, so. I'm just, uh, trying to feel my way around these, uh, holiday seasons, as, as we... You see, right. yeah. you
1: have snow up there.
2: We, we have lots of snow. We have lots of snow and lots of, lots of rabbits and bunnies around, so. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, bunnies are everywhere around here, and they're big suckers, too, so. Every time I go
3: to- What's you that? got protein hopping around you, man. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll eat a bunny. I, 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 I got no problem with it. I need yeah. a bunny.
1: <laughs> if they knew who you were, they wouldn't come by you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Phil's gonna go up there. Yeah. You're, you're gonna be like the, I have this picture of Rob like on a postcard, like the winter doctor Doolittle. And Phil shows up and eats all of his little yeah. friends.
3: <laughs> the animals know better around here. If they trespass on my property, they're free game. There you go. No, that's that's, <laughs> that's trespassing. I All right. Well, happy
1: holidays, trust. everybody. That was a, a long mm-hmm. and rambling show, but we got one out for you.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> everybody have a... Have a merry... Have a merry Christmas or whatever holiday you c- celebrate, so... Right. All right.
1: Sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community.
0: Hey IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak
1: peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you could hold up and say, this is what the letter, literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or